Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thanks for listening to the Activate Podcast, a ministry of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and today I will be having a conversation with Pastor Christian Newsom, lead pastor for Journey. Uh, this week, we wrap up a series titled Broken, Breaking the Cycle of Living Spent. And this past Sunday, Pastor Christian shared uh, two more biblical financial principles of our series. Uh, Pastor Christian, welcome back. We're glad that you're here. Can, let's just jump right in. Uh, principle number six says this, you can measure contentment by how you spend your extra. Uh, for many of us that may have been in the auditorium listening to the message or may have heard the message online, we might be thinking, well, I don't have any extra. Uh, in fact, I usually have more month than money. There is no extra. Can you help explain for us uh, what you mean by the word extra? Yeah, so the words extra and the word contentment go together. If you're not content with what you have, you'll never have extra. And we said in in this message, really the the whole foundation of being able to honor God with your money is having godliness with contentment, with with a satisfaction that you are not only fine with what you have, but you are fine uh, spending it and managing it the way that God wants you to. That is godliness with contentment. So he said, based on the foundation of contentment and based on this thought of Paul saying, listen, if you have a place to live and you have food, everything else is extra. So you say, well, what is extra? Well, Paul would say anything above having some place to live and having something to eat is extra. You say, come on, Christian, that's that's crazy. And I would say, you're right, that is crazy. Because Jesus defined extra this way. Anything you need after today. Jesus actually taught us to pray for our daily bread. And Jesus said, anything beyond today, don't worry about. So extra would be anything you have that you cannot use or you do not need today. It's extra. If we trust God one day at a time, like God taught the nation of Israel to do uh, coming out of Egypt. So, you know, we look at Paul's definition and we say, you know, if you have enough, if you, if you have some place to live and you have enough to eat, you should be content. We think that's crazy until we hear Jesus definition. And then we think, okay, I'll take Paul's definition. Right. Um, so extra <laughs> is basically extra is, is the, the, all the extra goodness that God gives you. If you've ever, if you've ever had a cup of coffee from Starbucks, you have extra. If you have more than one pair of shoes, you have extra, uh, right? Extra is defined by just all the things outside of the very necessities of living, um, eating, having a place to sleep, have, having something to wear. Anything that exists outside of those is extra. And we learn from the book of Ecclesiastes, God gives us a lot of that extra so we can enjoy our life. We also learn from David in this series, God gives us a lot of extra so that we can return some to him. God gives us extra so that we can plan for our future. That's what Joseph taught Pharaoh. Um, so extra can be used for a lot of things, but extra is Jesus would say anything that you have that you cannot spend or you do not need today, that's extra. Paul would say anything beyond having a place to live and have something to eat, that's extra. We would just say all the good things that we have um, are extra. So you made an important statement in your message. You said this, contentment is neither about what you have or don't have, but about the satisfaction of what you do have and the acceptance of what you don't. From my personal experience, 
this is hard. This is really hard. Can you give us some really practical tools on how we can begin to be satisfied with what we have and accept what we don't? I don't know that I can, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it, I don't know that you can learn through information how to be satisfied and content with stuff. I know the thing that has probably helped me be more content than anything else in the world is doing mission work globally and doing ministry work in the inner city. Uh, the thing that has really allowed me to have contentment in life is having an awareness of how much more I have than the standard person on planet Earth. See, in, in our world, we compare our neighborhood with the next nicest neighborhood right up the street in our culture. We compare our school with the schools that our kids compete against. We compare our city with the other cities in America that we travel to. But remember, less than 5% of the world lives in the United States of America. So to have any kind of awareness of what we have, you have to leave America and you have to go look at someplace else. And when you do that, all of a sudden, not because you've been given a list of practical tips, but because you've experienced it, all of a sudden you just realize how much more you have than other people. You not only have more than one pair of shoes, but you have one type of shoe for sports and one type of shoe for leisure and one type of shoe for nice things. And then you not only have those, but you have a couple colors of shoes for leisure and a couple colors of shoes for nice things and maybe a couple different styles of shoes um, to play sports in. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. I was laughing with a friend of mine a few weeks ago um, when we were in Israel uh, because when I'm in Israel, I would wear the same thing every day. And here's, here's where that comes from. Uh, when I played football in college, um, our, our, at the end of our practice, we would hand in all our stuff and they would wash it every day and put it back in our locker. So almost every day for four years, I lifted weights in the exact same thing and I watched film in the exact same thing and I practiced in the exact same thing. Like I am built, if somebody would wash it, to wear the exact same shirt in the exact same pair of pants every day. And sometimes even if they don't wash it, I could wear the same pair of jeans every day for a month if they're not dirty on the outside, right? But, but we don't, we don't do that. Some people do. There are a lot of people that literally have one change of clothes and they wear the same clothes every day. And then they have like one nice outfit for celebrations, for wedding, for churches. We not only have different sets of clothes. We have hundreds of different combinations of sets of clothes hanging in our closet. We have so many clothes that every year or so we give some away or we sell some at a yard sale. We all have more than we could ever wear. We've got all of this extra. So how do you learn to be content? For me, the biggest place is realizing what I have in comparison to what the rest of the world um, has. But I think a lot of it too is just, it's going back to that relationship with God where you say, okay, if everything comes from God and belongs to God, then everything I have is a gift. Even if I have one pair of shoes, it's a gift. Even if I have one set of clothes, it's a gift. Even if I have a bike that I have to ride to work instead of a car, it's a gift. When I begin to see everything is given to me and I become accountable to it and I become responsible for it, all of a sudden, I'm able to be content with what I have and content with what I don't have. I begin to accept the things I don't have and say, hey, that's just maybe for somebody else and and good for them. So principle number six, uh, Pastor Christian, was you can measure contentment by how you spend your extra. And then principle number seven is this. You can measure contentment through your financial 
responsibilities. You provided five things we can do with our extra money. Would you mind uh, explaining how these five things actually serve as a biblical guideline for for establishing our financial responsibilities? Yeah, and the principle was you can measure your commitment through financial priorities, not responsibilities. But, you know, we get these biblical guidelines for priorities of, hey, if you believe that everything comes from God and belongs to God, here's how God wants you to spend that. Um, the regular world spends everything on themselves first. And if they have any money left over, they might put some away in case they need it later. Um, and then if they have any left over after that, they might give some to God and give some to others. Paul says, flip that script. He told Timothy, just do it the exact opposite. Give to God and others um, and then lay up for yourself. Get, give to your future. Sow into your future. Um, and then take care of the government that takes care of you. Pay your taxes because they provide the police force. They provide the fire department. They provide the public schools. They take care of the roads that you drive on. They put the stop sign back up at dangerous intersections um, when it's down. Um, and then, you know, you got to gotta make a living. You got to pay for the stuff that you have. And then you should have some enjoyment. You should spend it. So we get these biblical guidelines of give to God and others, um, save pay your taxes, and then you, you have things you can um, owe, um, bills you need to pay, and then you have money you need to spend to have fun. So these guidelines, these responsibilities, these priorities, um, they show we're content because we really put ourselves last. We put God first, we put ourselves last, and basically what we do is we allow God to be the filter for our money, and by keeping those priorities, we say, God, everything comes from you and belongs to you, um, so I'm going to give you what you've asked for to show my gratitude, to show my trust. It's not a lot, only one out of every 10, 10% of stuff. Um, God, I'm going to save because saving really helps defeat an attitude of entitlement in our soul. When I spend everything I have, what I'm saying is my future demands and deserves more. So I don't look at any of the extra God has given me. I was studying the Sabbath years in Leviticus last week, just in my private Bible reading time. And God said, every seventh year, you're supposed to let the land just lay fallow. Um, but here's the deal. In year six... I'm going to give you enough produce for the next three years. So on year seven, you'll eat what grows in year six. And then when you plant in year seven and it doesn't grow till year eight, I'm going to give you enough in year six to eat that too. So I'm going to give you enough in year six for three years because I know you need extra while you're resting. If some of us had our pay tripled instead of spending it over the next three years, we would triple our standard of living right now. And when things went back down to nothing, we file bankruptcy. Like that's how we do it in America. So God says, I'm going to give you your extra and I want you to space this out, save it so that you can space it out. So when things return to normal, you're okay. It gets you back to normal. So give to God, save, pay your taxes, be a good citizen, pay your bills, um, and then spend on you and your family, but spend on you and your family, what you have, not what you don't have spend on you and your family, what you need, not what you don't need. Don't live above your means. Um, and everything else will take care of itself. If you live by those biblical priorities. So that's what we've been trying to learn. And that's what we, in this last kind of session gave our people to learn. And we said, listen, if you look at that and say, that's totally impossible, then you need finance counseling. I mean, that's anytime you look at something that you say, God has asked me to do this, but I can't. There's a way. 
but you might need real professional help and counseling to get there, which is what Danielle and I did. We've shared in this series, which is what you and Abby did. We've shared in this series. We looked at how God says, here's how I would kind of manage my money if I had your money. And we say, wow, that's not how I'm doing it, but I want to do it that way. God helped me get there. And we went to a finance professional, took us nine years, took you 10. It's a long journey, but we're, but we're getting there. So let's talk about First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. Who were the rich Paul was referring to in this passage, and what, is, what does Paul mean by for our enjoyment? Yeah, so Paul was not speaking to people who had money, right? Like he, he was speaking to people who had a lot of money, who had a little money, but the, he wasn't saying, listen, if you make over a hundred grand, listen, I'm speaking to you. Hey, listen, if you're sitting on a million dollars in assets, I'm talking to you. Hey, listen, if you live in the, in the gated community, I'm talking to you. He wasn't talking to rich people. If we read the context of this, he was talking to people who put their security, their enjoyment and their worship in living richly not in being rich. I know some really rich people who are the most generous, conservative, saving, don't worship money you'll ever meet. And I know some people who struggle like crazy, but who live richly. They have to have the newest shoes. They have to take the nicest vacations. They have to live in a house a little nicer than they can afford. They don't have a lot of money, but man, they really live richly because they worship money and they believe that life consists in the abundance of things. So when Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world, he's saying, command people who think their life consists in what they have. Command people who want to live more richly than they have the ability to. He's not saying talk to rich people. He's saying, command people who think their life revolves around how much money is in their pocket, not to live that way because that won't bring true contentment. Command people to put their trust in God, not their money. Command people to put their enjoyment in serving God, not in serving money. Command people to really live for God, not live for their stuff, because that's the only way you can live life that is truly life. So he's not saying, hey, rich people. He's saying, hey, those of you who believe that your life consists in the abundance of your things. And how do we know whether or not our life consists in the abundance of our things? Rather than our following of God, just look at how you spend. Is your priority list? Spend it, owe it, pay my taxes. If there's any left, save. If there's any left, give. Or do we start off with God and others, and then we save, and then we pay our taxes, and then we put ourselves last? Paul said the priorities that you choose to spend your money with tell tell me whether or not you believe life consists in the abundance of things or whether or not you believe life consists in following God and living it the way that he wants you to live it. And Paul would say to Timothy, that kind of life, godliness with contentment, doing things God ways, man, that is a life of great gain. That is the life that is truly life. Well, Pastor Christian, this series has challenged um, many individuals, many families in the area of their personal finances. Um, and many, actually, as I've talked with people, have been pleasantly surprised at how practical these principles have been. Uh, I'm just curious, which of these seven principles that we've talked about this this month ha- has challenged you the most? So it's funny. That's kind of like asking me which one of my kids is is my favorite kids. <laughs> like each one of these principles, as I've 
as I've taught them and as I reflect on them uh, is so personal to me. Man, the, the law of the harvest, right? The law of the harvest saying that we sow and reap in different seasons is really, really valuable to me because I lived my 20s getting into debt, um, but I didn't feel it till I was 30. And then I then I began to reap what I'd sowed, and I lived my 30s to get out of debt and manage my money well. But I, I didn't even begin to feel that till I was 40. And now I'm 40, and after a decade of managing money the way God wants me to manage it, uh, I'm not rich, but I can breathe because I'm not trying to live richly. I'm just trying to be content, I'm trying to give to God and others, I'm trying to save, you know, I'm paying my taxes. Um, I'm trying to keep manageable bills. And then I'm spending it, enjoying things that, that we want to enjoy. So the law of the harvest is really big because I've been like 10 years lag behind sowing and reaping. And I'm looking forward now. I've not had, I've not been able to reap 10 good years yet, but I'm hoping to get into that maybe finally for the first time in my life, if that's what God has uh, for Danielle and I. This thought that everything comes from God and belongs to God and that to honor God with your finances, you have to have gratitude and accountability and responsibility is a really, really big one to me because it's, it's really easy as you know, to to not feel like you have extra, to not feel like you have enough. And then you begin to question God rather than honor God. Um, so that's a big one to me, to know that honoring God is not just saying thank you, but being, but having gratitude, being accountable, and really being responsible in how, in how I spend what God has given me. And then these last two on um, contentment are really, really big. The ones you preached on last week about purchasing yourself into slavery, I mean, is so, is so good because I remember being there. Like I remember working for Visa and Discover and American Express and MasterCard all at once and rolling from one card to the next card and balance transfer and trying to lower your interest rate. I mean, I remember doing all that in the debt snowball of life. And, and you do, you feel like a slave. It's just, Every month on this date, you know what has to come due. I remember making car payments like that before we paid off all of our consumer debt. So all of these principles are so big to me. And, and even the one you preached on on having an awareness of the things that cause you to want what you can't afford. Um, my awareness of social media, my awareness of how often I walk through model homes when I know I can't afford them. It's like, why am I putting pictures in my head and building a desire? Why, why am I tempting myself to covet, right? You talked about that neglected 10th commandment. Um, this whole series for me, the, the practical principles of it have just been huge and they all, they all mean a great deal to me in my past journey. And I look forward to managing better in my future journey and reaping well because I have sown better. It's been an incredible series. And, and again, um, if you've missed any of it, feel free to go online and check us out at takethejourney.cc. You can catch up on all of our message on our website um, and, and uh, watch those messages again. Listen, uh, it's been a great series, but tell us what's coming up next. What do we what do we have to look forward to next at Journey? I think my favorite series of the year is coming up next because I love to teach the Bible. Paul, many times in the New Testament, referred to the gospel as a mystery, which means you get, you get to do some homework. Uh, and we will be unpacking um, a, a series called The Lamb, trying to make sense of Easter. But by looking at the Lamb of God, uh, John, who was Jesus' cousin, introduced Jesus to the world as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This will be one of the most interactive series that I've ever done. I'll have a prop every week from the Old Testament. 
um, one from the New Testament that allow us to really picture the stories of the Bible. And I believe people will understand who Jesus is, what he did for them, and why Easter is so important globally uh, after this series than they've ever understood it in their life. So I cannot wait to begin to teach a little bit of theology, a little bit of scripture history, uh, and try to take some deep, deep truths of the word uh, and make them really practically applicable in the lives of our people. So we're really looking forward to that. And Pastor Christian, I want to thank you for going a little bit deeper into your message this past Sunday. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast today. We hope our conversation has been helpful to you. And again, if you've missed any of the messages, feel free to go back to our website and check them out. And if there's anything we can do to help you in any way, or if we can answer any more of your questions, please send us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. And we hope to catch you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Also, if you have enjoyed this podcast, help us get the word out and show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. Please share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.